I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And good morning. Welcome to another edition of Healthy Matters this morning. And we welcome your phone calls and text messages because it's an open line show. We'll give you details in just a moment. Good morning, Dr. Hilden. Good morning, Denny. Did you say it was a little uh, raining when you came in? Yeah, you know, as I was weaving my way through the streets of Minneapolis because 35W is closed. Oh, yeah, for the bridge. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be closed here and there for pretty much for now until the end of time. <laughs> it sure seems Those like Those of you who live in the South Metro, the Twin Cities, maybe remember when they rebuilt the Crosstown. That yeah. seemed to take about 35 Forever, years. Forever, It was yes. just four or five, and they did a great job. But I hear they're doing the same thing with 35W from uh, Crosstown to up into North downtown. and South, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I had a nice little drive in. I'm trying to figure out how to get my way in here. I only <laughs> showed up to the studio just a few minutes ago, but I got here. So I you didn't here. get a chance to get into makeup then, right? No, I didn't. No, no. Okay. no. I saw right. I had to miss makeup and All hair. Right. <laughs> All right. But it is it is an open line show, which means if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us, by the way. But it means you can ask your general health questions. If you have a question about you, a loved one, uh, call us or send a text. Let me give the phone numbers and the text number and we'll get underway. 651-989-9226. Again, 651-989-9226. Or the text number uh, is 81807 81 Eight zero seven. We hear on the news, Doctor Hilden, that the um, the cases of at least the reported cases of flu, the people are not getting to see you doctors as often as they did re- in the recent past. You know, it's kind of good news. It might yeah. be the first week of relatively good news on the flu front. You know, it's uh, it is flu cases are down this week. What's ironic is that, or not ironic? That's maybe not the right word. What's um, kind of notable is that the number of cases we're seeing now is roughly what it usually is in the peak. This is like the worst mm. week in the wow. past years, but this is so much better in the last six weeks or so that we're um, we are pretty confident now that we've seen a whole week of um, fewer cases, fewer hospitalizations, and fewer people in the uh, clinics, which is always a good thing, you know. So I think the flu season um, will start to you know each week will probably be a little bit better than the previous, and by early April, maybe mid-April, we should be kind of tailing off and. You know, doctors can be wrong a lot and, you know, and predictors can be wrong. So who knows? You know, things can come back a little bit. But at least now, cross your fingers, things are looking pretty pretty good on the flu front. A family, we were watching uh, the news on uh, Channel 4 the other night, and I think it was a CBS story, CBS News, about some possible uh, flu shot that uh, that – Maybe it will be good for a Like year. a better one? Well, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. said, don't they always mutate, though? <laughs> they do mutate, as, as we've talked about here on, on the show. Um, what we need more than anything um, regarding the flu is a vaccine that is um, good for all the strains and that is good for a long time. You know, like your measles shot. You know, you don't, you don't hear me yelling at you to get a measles shot every year because it's good once you got it. And because um, right now the influenza vaccine is done by uh, something. The guy who invented or the woman, whoever invented the flu vaccine methodology is probably long gone. I mean, that, that we've been doing it that way since the Eisenhower administration. I mean, it's been a long time. So we need a new one. 
that uses modern techniques that is um, uh, that will so maybe you get one flu shot and then you're good to go for a few years or maybe even the rest of your life. So that's really what we're after. There's some it, the technology would exist. Um, we can do that, and so I'm I'm hopeful that uh, that that'll come in the not too distant future. Although I'm not aware of anything that's imminently out there. It's for now. It's still the annual flu shot. Hey, I did want to tell people before we get to the yeah. callers um, and the texters who are already coming in a couple things. First of all, if you haven't checked out the Star Tribune today, today's Star Tribune, and if you're not uh, here in the upper Midwest, this is the Minneapolis paper, so I'm sure you can probably find it online. Fascinating thing that I didn't know about, and my hospital, HCMC, is right there on the front page. Dr. Um, Usma Samadani, one of our neurosurgeons, has just implanted a titanium calcium bone fragment replacement on a guy from Dassel, uh, Minnesota, and... uh where he had a, an accident, and it's made with a 3D printer. I mean, wow. this is so high-tech, I'm having a hard time getting my head around it. But they've done nine of them, and Hennepin's one of the only hospitals in the country that is doing these. What's it for? So what it, what happened was this this, um, this poor guy was apparently um, shoveling some um, asphalt or something. His name is Mr. Siltala from Dassel. Um, and it's right there on the front page of the paper, okay. so I can say his name. Um, you know, he was apparently a fragment of his shovel broke off, and I hope you're not squeamish. Ugh. It went through his eye socket into his skull, and it pushed his eye aside. Oh. If it had gone through his eye, we would have been—he wouldn't have been able to see. But miraculously, it missed his eye, went through his eye socket, and into his skull, and it broke the skull. And they were able to get the piece of the shovel out. It's a shard of wood mm-hmm. and then left a hole in his skull. And what do you do about that? That's not so simple. And so they have this new um, technology where they can take titanium, a metal, and, and calcium. And it's done with like a – I don't want to say your your laser printer on your desk. It's a very high-tech device. But it, it forms it exactly to the shape. It's made to order. Basically, wow. order me up a piece of skull fragment that's the exact size and shape of what this gentleman lost. And he is driving again, and he's walking. Amazing. And he's, it's just amazing. That's on the front page of the Star Tribune. I know nothing about that. I have nothing personally invested in it, but I just happened to see it in the paper today. Just one of the amazing things that's happening at Hennepin. And I'm going to talk to Dr. Samadani. She's been on the show before. She literally is a brain surgeon, and she uh, – Operated on this gentleman's brain. So that's fantastic. I also want to alert people to the blog. I've put two posts up this past week at myhealthymatters.org. Many of you have been looking at them. There's been tons of traffic on the blog. I mean, like thousands of, of people looking at it. The first one um, um, was just a, a recap of media things that I've done. So you can see some uh, things I've done in the past, both online and in print and on radio. But then more recently, just a couple of days ago, I answered a few more of your text questions in one of these little posts I call quick tips. And so this week, I did quick tips about uh, essential tremor, about blood pressure variation through the day. In other words, why does my blood pressure go up and down during the day? And then the third topic is about a very glamorous topic. It's about constipation. These are all things that came here on the text line that I didn't get to. So if you asked me a text question about constipation or about your blood pressure going up and down during the day or about essential tremors, those fine shaking tremors that some people get. I've answered all of those questions on the blog. That's myhealthymatters.org. Check it out today. Very good. 
Again, 651-989-9226, an open line show, whatever your general health question you want to ask the doctor, 651-989-9226. And as Dr. Hilden said, we're getting text messages already, if that's easier for you, 81807. Let's go to the phones, doctor. Sue in Egan is first up here. Hi, Sue. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question for you regarding the flu. I was one of those very fortunate people to get to the hospital and while I was there, I had eight hours of AFib. As a result, they put me on Xarelto. And my question is, can that make you kind of sick to your stomach? I have been having some uh, either stomach upset or uh, what do you call it when you, when you get acid in your throat? Yeah, like reflux. reflux. Yeah, like reflux. Yeah. Hey, Sue, so, so one question. Did you have atrial fibrillation before this bout with the flu? No. It was the first time ever. That's right. And you were in it for eight hours, and then you, you left the hospital not in atrial fibrillation. Is that correct? I had it for eight hours, and it just reversed itself. So my first question is, do you need Xarelto? Um, that'd be my first question. Oh, well, that's uh, that's what I'm going to ask. <laughs> I think that's a really good question, Sue, because we put people on Xarelto, which is a pill to thin the blood, um, or on any other kind of blood thinner for people who have atrial fibrillation that persists. In other words, you're either in atrial fibrillation all the time, or you have what we call paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, which means your heart goes in and out of that abnormal rhythm. Over and over and over. Sometimes you know it and sometimes you don't. But in any case, it persists over weeks, months, years. Um, you're either in or out of it, but it keeps coming back. One episode of atrial fibrillation at the time of an acute illness like the flu doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have atrial fibrillation for anymore. And if you're not going to have atrial fibrillation anymore, you don't need Xarelto. So I think that's a really good question, Sue. I would for sure – for sure. Find out if you still need it. It could be you've been in and out of atrial fibrillation for the last 20 years and just didn't know about it and they happened to catch it. But that, that remains to be seen. I would get a cardiologist diagnosis of atrial fibrillation before I did anything more with, with Xarelto. As for side effects, I don't know a whole lot of people get tummy upset. That's, um, it's possible because anytime you put a pill in your mouth, it has the potential to cause a little upset stomach. Um, but I'm not aware of that being a big, huge problem with Xarelto. I'm not sure about the reflux and all that. It all sounds like it might be unrelated. I would be more apt to think that all of those symptoms are more related to you getting over the flu than it would be to the Xarelto. It might just be a consequence of your illness, not that that pill. The biggest thing, my take-home from your call, though, is to find out if you really need it at all. for sure. Thank you, Sue. We're going to take a break here momentarily and get back to the phones and uh, text messages. If you want to use the phone, there's a line open. If you want to fill it, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. And uh, before we head to the break, we've got some pretty exciting things about that. Right. If you listened last week, you heard us talk. You know, it was an unusual show because I was mostly trying to talk about healthcare and how we deliver healthcare in our new clinic building. And because we're so excited about it at Hennepin and we wanted to share that. Well, if you want to see our new clinic building, it's open to the public for an open house. You don't even have to go get a colonoscopy or have your throat swabbed or anything. You can just come from um, 10 o'clock to 2 p.m. on Saturday, March 17th. That's St. Patrick's Day, if you happen to be Irish or if that's a helpful reminder. 
um, Saturday, September, or March 17th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. right on the corner of 8th and Park Avenue in downtown Minneapolis. Underground parking is free. Hope you can make it. There'll be refreshments, short tours, and um, uh, you can meet some of the people who are going to be practicing there. And I do believe, I know we're planning on uh, doing our show from uh, one of these days there. One time this spring, we're going to do our show right from live from the new clinic and specialty center. We're going to have a bunch of guests coming by. We're going to take a kind of a look, and um, it's going to be a great show. Good deal. All right. We'll talk more about that. We have to head to the break. If you want to call in your question, now is your chance, 651-989-9226. Beth, you're going to be first up here. Or send a text, 81807. Overcast, 34 degrees. We'll be in a winter storm watch that includes all of the Twin Cities Metro Monday and Monday night. We could get anywhere from 6 to 11 inches of snow affecting probably both drive times, certainly the afternoon drive tomorrow. You stay tuned to WCCO right now. Overcast, 34 degrees. Good morning. Welcome back to our open lines version of the Healthy Matters this morning. Welcoming your phone calls and text messages for Dr. David Hilden. There's a line open, 651-989-9226. A lot of text messages, as you see, Doctor. 81807. Beth is on the phone calling from St. Louis Park. Beth, how can we help you? So a friend of mine, and it really is a friend of mine, has the flu. She called the nurse a couple days ago. The nurse said, you've got the flu. Don't You don't have to come in. This is what my friend is telling me. And I'm wondering, how long is she contagious? Great, she, que- great question, Beth. Yeah, because... Um, just about all of us know somebody um, have you know who is sick, and generally it could be as much as a week um, that they might be contagious. You're contagious for a day before you're sick. Mm. So if like you're hanging out with your friend and then she gets sick the next day, that's a that's a actually a period of vulnerability. That's kind of a bummer because nobody knows they're sick and you're contagious. And then as lo- and then probably up to a week after your um, symptoms resolve. That might be a little, a little on the long side. It might, it might not be quite as long as a week, but that's, that's kind of the party line that we tell everybody, Beth. A day before you're sick, up to one week after. And the ways to reduce getting others sick aren't really as hard as you might think. Um, you're not going to likely get the flu from someone who's standing across the room from you, even if they're sick, even if they have a fever. So um, you need it, – it's, it's, it's spread by respiratory droplets – so it's not really spread just by breathing. In other words, the flu virus isn't just floating in the air, unlike some things like tuberculosis. You know, mm. that, that is like floating around in the air. It is on water droplets in the air. And so water droplets in the air tend to come out of people's mouth when they're talking or sneezing or having a, a animated conversation. But you're not going to get those droplets on you unless you're within four or five or six feet of that person. So it's kind of an arm's length contagious thing. Um, so think of water droplets in the air. And if someone's 20 feet away from you and they sneeze, the water droplets are likely going to go onto the floor and onto the surfaces. So that's the other way people get it is they sneeze onto stuff and then you touch that stuff and then you touch your nose. You can get it that way. Like when I say stuff, I'm talking desk surfaces, phones, computer keyboards, doorknobs, things like that. So the best way not to get it is to wash your hands frequently, many times during the day, and to cover your cough or your sneeze um, by sneezing into your elbow, not your hand. Very good. All right, Beth, thank you. 651-989-9226. We'll pick up on the text messages in a moment. But Dan is calling from Annandale. Dan, you're on with Dr. Hilden. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, doctor. 
Uh, I'm a 70-year-old male, and I've had problems with per, uh, my peripheral vision. I went to ophthalmologist, and she's seen a field cut in the upper quadrant of my both eyes, said that it's uh, the outer quadrant, and said that it's possible stroke, possible pituitary gland tumor. Went to my home doctor. He prescribed the MRI, went to have an MRI, and I have uh, a mass, a larger mass on my pituitary gland. Um, do you know anything about that? Could you kind of give me some words? You're, sure. You no? Know? Sure, Dan. Yeah, so um, your, your two doctors are, that's a relatively common presentation of something that's not quite so common, that being a pituitary mass. It is often what we call an adenoma, which is um, a benign non-cancerous mass. That's the first thing. You can always get a cancer, but the ones on the pituitary gland are often non-cancerous. They can be very small, like the size of a pea, all the way up to, I saw one, a huge one, like a golf ball or bigger. Um, The problem, even if they're benign, even if they're benign, which they usually are, is that your pituitary gland is sitting in the middle of your head. It is a small little gland, um, your pituitary, which sits right between your and behind and kind of on top of your eyes, right in the middle, deep in your skull. And your the nerves to your eyes go right by your pituitary gland, right by them, and they form an X. Your second cranial nerve, your optic nerve, the one that goes to your eyes, crosses in an X from your brain to the left eye and the right eye. It's really weird how it happens. It's a place in your skull called the optic chiasm. And that little benign tumor can press on your optic nerve. The, hence, it causes a visual field loss. So if, you, if, people, um, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, if you draw a circle and then put, make it into four quadrants, four quarters, depending on what part of your optic nerve is being squished, you can lose your vision in one or or more of those four quadrants of your eye, and that's exactly what Dan is describing. Here's the good news, Dan. You find a surgeon, they can take it out, and you can be okay. That's the message I want you to hear is that I know loads of people who have had these. Loads is maybe an exaggeration, but more than one, you know, quite a few. And um, some, And you can get these out. Um, this is when you need a neurosurgeon. And I wouldn't get um, uh, somebody who, uh, you know, neurosurgeons also do spines and other specialties. I would get one who does this, who does this um, very procedure. Um, so call around your healthcare system, find out who in the neurosurgery group does um, pituitary gland resection. Um, sometimes it doesn't need anything done, but, and there might be some other kind of higher tech ways to get rid of it, but the traditional way of just simply resecting it, taking it out, tends to work. Quite well, um, because it, it, as I said, it's benign. It's not spreading to other parts of your body. It's causing a mechanical problem, a squishing of your nerve. And if it keeps getting bigger, it's going to squish other things in your in your brain. And also, it's gonna, it can affect the functioning of your pituitary gland, which controls all of the other, or not all, but most of the other hormones in your body are controlled by your. It's sort of like the central processing unit, the motherboard, if you will of your hormonal system in your body. So your thyroid and all these other hormones, that it's, it's central control is up there higher in your pituitary. So that's all. That's, um, I am not a neurosurgeon. I'm not an expert in hormones or any of that. That's, um, but there's, there is loads of room for optimism, Dan, um, to have that thing um, 
cutout and you can be back to normal. But it is something you need to have looked at. Very good. Probably not an emergency, but an urgency, if, well, you, if, you, right. will, well, if you will. Thank you, Dan. Folks on the line, hang on. We uh, have to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. We have a little less than uh, 60 seconds right now. I don't know if do you I want to grab for any of these, yeah, How about a quick text? I'll do a, here, I'll do a quick one because I don't know the answer. This is from the text line. Do nightshade vegetables and dairy cause inflammation? Um, and my answer is I, I, I don't know um, about nightshade vegetables. That would be things um, I, I guess I simply Tomatoes, don't know. Potatoes, potatoes. Um, yeah, potatoes and the like. Um, does dairy cause inflammation? It does in people who have an intolerance to it. It can cause an inflammatory <laughs> response. I'm sorry I don't know more about that. Perhaps I could look into that uh, question right. a little bit more. And we have more to come, more show to come. So those folks on the line, hang in there. And texters as well, right now in the Twin Cities, overcast 34 degrees. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It is uh, an open line show today. We have, as you can see, Dr. Hill, done a lot of calls and many, many text messages as well. I'll tell you what, let's do. I know uh, Wally in Montevideo has been waiting forever. Let's uh, help Wally out, then we'll grab some text messages. What do you say? Sounds great. Hi, Wally. Well, how can we help you? Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Like always, a wonderful show. My question is, where does flu originate or come from? It's almost like, well, it's October 15th. It's got to be flu season. Yeah. We don't know where it comes from. I think it comes from Australia. I'm going to blame them. (laughs) Blame somebody. Yeah. Thanks for for your kind comments, Wally, and for your question. Um, It's just floating around the human population, basically. And I'm only partially kidding about the Aussies. I think we can blame the people from down under. No, no, we um, because that's how they sort of predict what the flu is going to be this year. Is they look to see what the people in Australia are are experiencing because you know their winters and summers and ours are reversed. So it just kind of passes around, and it it brings up a great point though, Wally. And I know this wasn't exactly your question, but the incidence of things passing through the human population is so much quicker now than it was. Um, in our ancestors' days, for kind of obvious reasons, we all get on airplanes, and you know, going to Shanghai or 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 Helsinki, you know, is, is all so easy now, and so it's so simple to pick up stuff from other places. And the influenza virus is just such a fantastic little parasite that travels with us, and it lives for a. A while on surfaces, and we pass it on from person to person, and it just passes through the population like wildfire. Where did where did it originate? That one is a is a philosophical question that I don't know. Um, you know, but but those of you who are old enough, or at least to remember your history, it's been around a long time. Um, and the 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 year nineteen eighteen, when they called it the Spanish flu. That killed more people than did all of the wars, mm. including World War One. that was raging. Fifty million people died. Fifty million. You can't even get your head around that. So influenza in some form has been around for hundreds of years. So um, it's just a co-inhabitor of Earth with us, I guess. Yeah. Great question. Wow. Tell you what, we've got a couple of folks that have been waiting a long time. Let's see if we can help them out. Before we yeah. do that, I do want to say one other thing yeah. um, kind of pertaining to Wally's question sure. is that it comes in October because the flu virus is better in cold, dry weather. And so you're, it's around year-round. The influenza is around all the year. But um, it thrives in colder, drier oh, that's air. 
And what happens in October? We all turn our heat on. We all go inside more. And uh, we all start putting humidifiers in our furnaces because that air is so dang dry. Well, flu likes that. So it's worse in the winter. Interesting. All right. Now we can go on. Mike in Roseville. Mike, you're on CCO with Dr. Hilden. Yeah, good morning. My question is, what should a physical examination consist of for a 65-year-old male? It's a great question, Mike. And, and in fact, um, that question made it to the halls of Congress. Mm. And, you know, Medicare doesn't cover preventive health care in general, with a few exceptions like um, mammograms, for instance. But they came up with a welcome to Medicare physical exam. They said everybody who's on Medicare, when you hit 65, you get a welcome to Medicare um, physical. And so that very question that Mike just raised came up. Well, what should it be? What should you get done when you're 65? And it turns out, and this is, um, you know, I don't want to belittle my own profession, but most of what we do isn't necessary at the physical exam. The vast majority of what we do in terms of labs and tests aren't necessary. The things that are, you should check your blood pressure. Knowing your blood pressure is very important. You should know what your cholesterol numbers are. You should um, make sure your vaccinations are up to date. If you're a woman, you should make sure your mammograms are up to date. If you're a man or a woman or something else, um, you should make sure your colon cancer screening, you've had your colonoscopy or something similar, you should make sure that is up to date. And um, if you're a man, you should have talked to your doctor about your prostate. Whether or not you get tested for it's up to you. The, the jury's out on whether you should, but you should talk to your doctor. So that's really it. Now, many people get other things done like um, – other blood tests. You may or may not need any other blood tests. Most of what we do is not necessary, the blood tests. Um, other things you should do that, that maybe don't sound so um, obvious. I think you should have a conversation with your doctor about your lifestyle, about your diet, about your is your weight a healthy weight. If you smoke, almost nothing else matters. You should talk to your doctor about how to quit. And um, those are things you should have at your physical. So a limited range of tests – Two or three cancer screenings, colon, breast, prostate, and maybe um, cervical if you're a woman. How about diabetes? And diabetes tests, um, we do that on patients um, just kind of as a one of the blood tests. It's not even routinely necessary to get a test, but we often do anyway. Okay. Um, and I think that's about it. I think probably the most important things to do is talk about your kind of your general lifestyle and are things are are you kind of on track for your weight, your exercise, your smoking status, and then those things I just mentioned. Very good. Let's take another call, and then we'll grab some text messages. Larry is calling from Ham Lake. Has been waiting. Larry, what is your question, please? Yeah. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, what causes extreme extreme dizziness? I was going to get out of bed. When I started to get up, I was so dizzy, I just fell right back down in bed. I laid there for a little bit. I tried to do the same thing, and the same thing happened. It was probably several minutes before I could get out of bed, and is this serious? Heck of a deal, Larry. Now, do you get it, Larry, at other times, like when you're sitting at the dinner table or when you're walking or any other time, or is it always when you're getting up from lying down? This happened only one time. This was uh, several weeks ago. It's just that one time. Yeah. So I would have it looked at. Now, it could be something as benign as you were dehydrated. Um, it sounds a little bit like what we call postural or orthostatic hypotension. 
Doctors like to put complicated names on things, which simply means you get dizzy when you stand up. It really matters if it's your position. If it's when you're standing up, it could be that, that postural hypotension. And that can be due to a number of causes. It is possible that your heart isn't beating fast enough for at that moment. It is possible that you have some kind of heart rhythm issue. Those are less likely. I have to say that the severe heart causes of that are less likely than simply, you know, you just had a little bit of a, a, a near fainting spell. However, I've listed about two or three causes of dizziness. There's about 20 more. There are inner ear disturbances. There's infections or non-infectious problems in your ear. There are the heart rhythm problems, as I've said. There's vascular problems like insufficient blood flow to your brain through, through your neck. Um, there are some neurologic problems. And then the most common of all is just like I said, just postural um, or hypotension or simply like a fainting, which is not frankly all that dangerous. All of them require a look though. If I were you, um, I don't think it's urgent because you've only had it that one time, Larry, but I would have that – I would probably start with your primary doctor. This is something you might get some basic blood tests. They could do some te- some testing in their clinic and then you might need to get um, an ear an ear evaluation. Usually that's done at an audiology. You don't need an ear, nose, throat doctor necessarily, but you need an audiologist to do a vestibular or an inner ear exam. And those are some things I would start with. Primary care, maybe an audiology visit. And then if none of that is revealing and if it keeps happening, then probably a cardiology visit to take a look at your heart. I know we have to break here in a minute or so and we'll get back to the phones, but there is a a question that came in uh, earlier today. Okay, here's from the text line. What are skin tags? I have many under my arms. Can they re- be removed safely at home, such as tying them off? I've had one or two that get painful at times and seed do enlarge. Yeah, yeah. If skin tags are simply um, uh, excess growth of your skin, your skin is uh, – the cells of your skin are one of those places of your body. The lining of your intestines are another that is continually growing and sloughing off. Your skin is doing that constantly. It's turning over the layers of skin constantly. Which makes you wonder where did all the previous layers of skin yeah. go? Well, they're probably in your bed linens. Uh, <laughs> but um, what happens is that you know that's what any kind of benign skin lesions like moles, which are called nevi, or these skin tags, um, are benign. Just those areas of skin are growing too much. If they're very small, yes, you can just clip them off with a clean little scissors, even. Mm. But here's the, the insider's tip. If, if they're too big, they don't do that. It's going to hurt and it's going to bleed a lot. <laughs> I've cut some off in clinic and I had to tell this poor patient, I'm sorry, like 20 minutes later, this thing's still oozing blood. So um, if you do it in a doctor's mm-hmm. office, they can uh, you know, kind of um, – they put that little silver nitrate stuff on your skin to stop it from bleeding. But literally, we just pull it out with a tweezer and cut it off at the base if they're very small. You know, a little bigger than a sesame seed. You know, you can do those at home. Other than that, I would I would go to a doctor and have doctor. them cut them. We need to take a break. A quick one. We'll be back with more phone calls and text messages on this open line show. Rain, fog, mist, and breezy. We will be by tomorrow and tomorrow night in the midst of a winter storm watch that includes all of the Twin Cities metro area. It may affect morning drive. It's certainly going to be affecting afternoon drive tomorrow. You stay tuned to CCO. We could get anywhere from 6 to 11 inches of new snow and breezy conditions as well. Rain, fog, mist, and breezy right now. CCO temperature reading 33. 
And welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It is an open line show today. And Dr. Hillen, let's grab another phone call. And I know you want to pick up on some uh, text messages. Jeannie's calling from Montgomery. Jeannie, what's your question, please? Uh, good morning. Um, a friend most recently uh, had some really strange um, symptoms. He had a swelling of his arm, his hand, all the way up into his shoulder. And you probably know about this. He ended up having a flesh-eating disease and had to have his arm amputated, and it caused all sorts of other health issues. To find out that this is something that's in the air or in us, or can can you explain a little bit about what can happen, and, and is there any way to avoid it? Yeah, that's so scary. I'm so sorry for him. You know, you lose your arm over something that is treatable, <clears throat> but it's an emergency. Um, yeah, the, the public um, often uses the term flesh-eating disease, and, and it sounds kind of gross, but kind of that's what it does. Um, generally, it's the medical term would be necrotizing fasciitis. Necrotizing means just kills it off. It's just – and fasciitis is an infection of the soft tissues of your body. So it usually starts as a small infection, a little redness of an area of the body, maybe a little swelling, maybe a little warmth. That's called cellulitis. But if it progresses rapidly – if the limb or the area that's infected – it can happen to any part of your body. It's often a limb. If it progresses rapidly, that redness, that swelling, that pain, that warmth is getting bigger faster and it's traveling up the arm, you need emergency attention. Often um, it needs antibiotics and it needs a surgery to open that up often. And that, that is in an attempt to save limbs. We do it all the time. Um, in fact, it's one of the reasons people get – flown into the rooftop of HCMC in downtown Minneapolis because our surgeons and our intensive care is so good at that, that we're often getting a a smaller hospital in greater Minnesota says, I think I have a pretty rapidly um, advancing infection. I think it might be neck fasc, as they often say, necrotizing fasciitis. And can you take them? And then we fly them in um, for um, hopefully limb-saving procedures, and it usually is effective. So what do you do? Well, if you have a warm, red, swollen area of your body that's rapidly moving. It's getting bigger and sometimes over hours. You know, so this morning you got a little red spot on your forearm and then by by din- by lunchtime or dinner time your whole arm is red and swollen. You need to go in. That's happening quickly. It is just it's a bacterial type of infection that's that is out there in the community. It's not that common. You know, I say we see it at the hospital and we do, but it's not that common, but it's a real thing, Jeannie. I'm so sorry for him. You know, he lost his arm. And that is um, – it's definitely a, a possibility. Yeah. Oh, boy. How about some text messages? The text messages here. Um, let's see. Uh, what's the difference between transient ischemic attacks and microangiopathy? My mother has a brain MRA which showed microangiopathy. A TIA is a mini stroke. It's simply a stroke where the symptoms don't last very long and is a risk factor for a future stroke. Microangiopathy is simply a radiological term that the, the blood vessels are inflamed of some kind. Um, I, don't, it's a, I don't know what they mean. It just means – I don't know what they mean in this texter's case, but there were some problems with the small micro, the small blood vessels of the brain. It might not mean anything. Um, uh, it just might mean you have a little – what we often call small vessel disease. Um, it's just a part thing of aging. But um, talk to your neurologist, whoever texted that one in, because I, I probably can't say much more than that. Um, let's see. Here's some other ones. Can you discuss low stomach acid, symptoms, complications, solutions? I've been on protonics for 15 years for GERD and Barrett's, but now I have severe burning mouth, dry eyes, gas bloating. Could that be the cause? It is possible. Um, it is thought that long-term proton pump inhibitor use, something like protonics or Nexium, 
um, or Prilosec is safe for the vast majority of people. But there are problems. You can it can lead to um, uh, what can it lead to? Uh, deficiencies in some vitamins because of malabsorption. It can lead to some bone problems. You can have weaker bones because of it. It can lead to stomach problems um, due to um, again absorption problems. Um, it might you might have trouble digesting foods like meats and things when you're on long term proton pump inhibitors. The problem is if you have um, severe um, reflux disease, acid reflux that's leading to Barrett esophagus, you probably need the protonics. See your gastroenterologist for that because um, it is possible that this texture's symptoms are from the protonics, although I can't say that for sure. Here's another text. I'm just going to – do I have time for another yeah, one? Sure. I had a pacemaker put in two months ago, been on LASIK since then for shortness of breath. Also have mitral valve leak, which they feel is the cause of the shortness of breath. Will this get better in time or should I get a second opinion? I don't think you need a second opinion. I think you just need a heart failure expert. Shortness of breath is the common symptom of mitral valve – leaky mitral valves. It is not why you got your pacemaker. They might be related in other ways, but your shortness of breath is due to your leaky mitral valve not uh, and – um, the Lasix will help that, but doesn't solve the problem. So you need um, you need a a, a cardiologist, um, someone to look at your valves. They can fix your valve. The technology for fixing valves has come so far; it is unbelievable what they can do to valves. Sometimes with minimally invasive procedures, um, not even by cracking open your chest. So if you have a leaky mitral valve, eventually you might need a surgical procedure and. Take your medications, but you need more than Lasix. You might need some other things, so go to a cardiologist if you have a leaky mitral valve that is leading to shortness of breath. Um, what is available for nerve pain? I severed my ulnar nerve several years ago. Are meds effective and any side effects? If you completely severed a nerve, there's almost nothing the pills are going to do. I, I, I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, nerves take forever to regrow, um, and if it's completely severed, it might never regrow. But there are some medications that are effective for moderate neuropathy. Gabapentin, pregabalin are two. They go under the brand names Neurontin and Lyrica. There are others like amitriptyline. Um, but uh, I wouldn't expect miracle relief um, from a pill when you have a severed nerve. Um, so. Oh, we have, uh, Doctor, less than 60 seconds to go. Maybe a couple of reminders. Well, first of all, what's uh, coming up now on next week's show? Next week, we're going to talk about traumatic brain injury with a pediatric tra- traumatic brain expert, Dr. Andrew Caragu. March is TBI Awareness Month. I also want to tell you, go to the MyHealthyMatters.org. Several hundred of you have already done that already this morning. You can look at my recent post about tremors, blood pressure variation, and constipation. That's at MyHealthyMatters.org. And March 17th, 10 a.m. Besides St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day, come to our clinic and specialty center open house, 8th and Park, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., free underground parking. And we'll uh, we'll have more to come about that, too. And uh, we'll see you next week, then. See you next week, Danny. Thanks very much, Dr. David Hilden. In the Twin Cities right now, rain, fog, mist, and uh, breezy conditions. Our temperature reading 33 degrees. We'll look at the weather coming up in just a few minutes. Then it's Wealth Enhancement Show straight ahead. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 